Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host tonight, Nick Pollock, and I'm joined by Mr. Matt Filipovitz. Matt, how are you doing? Nick, I didn't have hiccups the entire time we had off this past week. Not a single hiccup. And about three seconds ago, I developed my first hiccup, so I'm very afraid that I'm going to hiccup throughout this podcast. But other than that, I'm great. What is your, what's your go-to strategy for getting rid of hiccups? Uh, I'm a, I'm a hold your breath kind of guy. Um, I don't scare easily. So, uh, I'm usually a hold your breath kind of guy. Uh, just feels like it's the most resourceful. This, the scaring thing is it's really remarkably I don't believe it's effective. Real. It's just, really? you think oh, it's, real? it's very effective for me. Interesting. It, it's just that it takes, not that I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm not easy to scare. Like I'm not like. Like all those things that you would traditionally find scary, like I find scary. Like I don't like zombies and stuff like that. Like I, like I, you will That's never find me anywhere near a haunted house. Your mind. Like, <laughs> I think zombies are the most horrifyingly frightening thing really? I can think of in like in the world, in like that, in that realm. Mm, that is my biggest fear. But I will never watch a zombie movie aside from Zombieland, but that barely counts. Like, I, that is very much not my jam. Did you watch The Last of Us? Nope. That was great. That was fantastic. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah. Didn't watch that. Didn't hey. watch Walking Dead. None of that. Learned a lot about None you today. that stuff. Hmm. Yeah, that's not me. Um, I have... I'm, I'm, I'm going to... I really think, Matt, that we should look into trying to see what we can do to get um, Retroable to sponsor our podcast. Because I'm gonna go ahead and plug it real quick. Because if you if you haven't played the co- the new college version of Retro Bowl yet, it is just fantastic. I'm having so much fun. Um, I should as get like a, a referral coach, I had code. Because like, I'm the one who told you about this. I should get I should get some <laughs> sort true. of profit from this. They you have to pick like, <laughs> and I like that you can't just like pick like any school you want. Like I started, I picked um, like Colorado is who I actually ended up picking. So I, I, just I started out with Colorado as well. I wonder if that's a good generic school they start you off with. Probably. Mm. That, so I just beat Michigan. I'm in the third season now. I'm on back-to-back natties. I just beat Michigan in the first nice. round of the playoffs. And my national championship opponent this year is Minnesota. Wow. Which okay. is interesting. All right. Interesting. The first two years, I think I think the first year my final was against UCLA. Go Bruins. Also interesting. And then last year, last season, I had to beat um, – Penn State, which was fun. All Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very Big Ten heavy. Um, if you are listening to us now, we do talk about Penn State football also on this podcast. So please make sure that you follow, like, subscribe wherever you're listening to this to make sure you get all that new content right into your feed. Matt and I are here tonight not to talk about zombies, not to talk about Retro Bowl, although we could. Um, but we are actually here to talk about, you know, some bigger picture Penn State things that maybe we... Um, we're thinking about over the bye week, especially with the news coming out of the future schedules. And then we'll also, of course, talk about Penn State's opponent this week. We'll talk about the UMass, what are they, the Minutemen? They are they the they Minutemen, are? correct. Yeah, we'll talk about the Great UMass movie. Minutemen. You ever see that DCOM, what... Minutemen? No. Oh, dude, the dude who plays Cousin Greg in Succession, uh, he plays like a cool guy in the movie. It's pretty funny to look back on that to see what he's played in Succession. And then him be like, this the is cool a guy. rough podcast for me because I also have not seen Succession yet. Oh my God, Nick, what are you doing? Well, you're playing Retro Bowl all day. Retro Bowl, please sponsor us. But exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's clear. There's there's no time for anything else. Mm. 
Fair enough. We are off the rails. Um, we have had, we, this outline came together <laughs> so haphazardly, and we haven't talked in like two weeks. We have so much to get the, back on the track. First with. part of we're we're still in the portion of the outline where I just wrote intro, hellos, follow, like, subscribe, and that's it. Nice. Um. So Matt, let's get here to this uh, this question from Spotify from uh, Patrick. I'm not going to say your last name correctly. I Jurowitz Jurowitz something like that uh first of all thank you for submitting a question as always if you have any questions or anything you want to you know just let us know about spotify q a function is a really great place to do that it's really easy to find i think we can even make them you know visible for anyone to see so that's what i've been doing so let's keep doing that um so patrick asked thoughts on james franklin i'm going to include mike yersich in this as well but thoughts on james franklin and mike yersich's willingness so far this season to go for it on fourth down um and before I'll just you know I'll just give you that Matt I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it right there and let you run with it. What are your general thoughts on you know they've been pretty willing to do it so far this year? I like it. I think this is what you know when you have an offensive line that Penn State's offensive line has not been great, but when you have one that, that is an asset, not a liability, this is a luxury that gets afforded to you. I think it's interesting. I think it's cool. I think it's great for Penn State that. They are keeping defenses on the field and wearing teams down. I think the Iowa game is the perfect example of that. Iowa is still like, what, Nick, number one in defensive SP+, and Penn State went mm-hmm. out there and dropped yep, 30 still. on their heads. Like, there is a lot of value in keeping your offense on the field and wearing teams down. And listen, we're of course, we're going to talk about explosive plays, but for what Penn State's needed through the first five games— the more reps, the more time Drew Aller can spend on the field, the better it's going to be for this team in the long run. There's also the element of maybe the kicking game can't be fully trusted just yet, although I think Alex Felkins has been money since he took over. But I, I just think it's just a fun wrinkle that I think Franklin has been building towards for a long time, and it's great that he finally has the offensive line to let him go out there and do that. Yeah, I think it's the offensive line combined with just the size of Drew Aller. Mm-hmm. Like those those fourth down pushes just get so much easier when you have a quarterback who's do you what, like Drew the tush is, push? What, are you six, pro tush four, push? Are you, are, you, are you anti tush push? Where do you fall on this? Um, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say I care super strongly either way. I think people complaining about it is kind of dumb because, like, it's in the obviously, book. like the Eagles the Eagles are the catalyst of all this, right? Mm-hmm. And they are significantly better at it than anybody else. So, and you know, it, that is a skill that their offense has. Like mm-hmm. that is something they have worked on. And then you have, you know, the other end of the spectrum, you have the New York giants trying it against the Seahawks on Monday night football after not repping it in practice and all. And two guys got hurt on the play. So like you, it's, if it's, it's something you're going to practice, like you deserve the credit for doing it. So I, I mean, I don't really have a problem with it. If you, if you don't like it, then don't let teams get into fourth and short on you. Like that's that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, I it's allowed right now, and I think it's cool when teams take advantage of it. But from like a football perspective, I think that play should probably be be, be banned because it's a cheat code. And I I do think it's probably likely that it will be. I think that's probably going to be the outcome of this next upcoming off season. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um. So yeah, once again, thanks to Patrick for uh, giving us that question. Uh, it's, I mean, it's definitely something that's been noticeable for Penn State this year. They've been really willing to 
you know, keep the offense on the field. And it's, it's been fun. Um, Matt, I wanted to get into some of the biggest news over the, uh, this past week for Penn state, since they obviously didn't play. And that is the, or was the release of the new future big 10 schedules. Of course, we still don't have dates for anything or anything like that, but we do know which opponents they will play when, and you know, in the follow, I think they released 24, five, six, seven, and eight, Correct. I believe was the five latest years. one. Yeah. Um, so I guess right off the bat, what are your general thoughts about what you saw? Like, do you like, do you like the whole unrivaled thing? Like, do you like that Penn state has no protected games? All, all that stuff really just, I'm going to say something I don't like thoughts when you saw all this, something I don't like to start things off. The big 10 is clearly anti-podcasting because this would have been phenomenal content for us to talk about in the doldrums of the off season. And they drop it like the first (laughs) weekend of October when there's actual football happening. Um, Nick, I'll be honest, I hadn't really taken a look at this because I I don't care yet. Like, I am so just trying to exist in this last season of the Big Ten I have come to know and love. I think it's great that Penn State doesn't have a protected rival because I think Penn State's whole bit is that they never really felt like an original Big Ten member. and Probably because they weren't, but you get what I'm saying, Nick. There's no rival in the Big Ten that you're like, this is definitely the biggest deal to Penn State and definitely the biggest deal to Penn State's opponent. Like, Michigan and Ohio State is clearly, that's the game. Minnesota-Wisconsin is clearly their game. Michigan-Michigan State is clearly a very important game. Penn State never had that. So I'm totally fine with Penn State being this big-name program in the Big Ten without that protected rivalry because I think it opens them up to playing more unique games. I think it's going to be really cool when Penn State heads out to USC. I think having Washington come to State College is going to be fantastic. I think that the Big Ten did itself again a major disservice by dropping it when it did, but Penn State being this unprotected entity in this new Big Ten, I think just opens us as fans up to a at least one or two more interesting and unique matchups every year. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm. I mean, I well, my first thought overall is I still think it's a shame that the Pac-12 is gone. I think the college football world will be worse off for not having it. Oh my it. god, yeah. Um yeah, but I to your point, I do I I love that Penn State doesn't have any protected games. And I I will note, I think probably the plan TM was like Penn State Nebraska was supposed to be like that I think that was kind of the envisioned rivalry because of you know the history of those two teams going back to the 90s with Tom Osborne at Nebraska all that stuff are you talking about like back in 2011 um, when Nebraska came in <laughs> exactly are you really um but what are you really talking about like that you think that was like what the Big Ten wanted when they added Nebraska 10 years ago to like create this new rivalry yeah, I think absolutely because you're adding another team. Like it was already well known that Penn State didn't have like a natural true rival there, but Penn State also aside from Pitt never really had like that one true rival. And then Nebraska, you're pulling out of the Big 12 into a brand new conference, so obviously they're not going to have any natural true rivalry in the Big 10. So to me, I think that makes perfect sense that that's what they were, you know, at least hoping for. I don't think they were going to ever going to like do something to try to manufacture it necessarily but i'm sure there was the hope that that would be what that you know developed into Um, but then they only played each other what three times in the last like 11 years something like that if they did play if that was a rivalry i have a trophy idea what is it old corny 
where it's an old Coley replica, but instead of horse bones, it's made out of corn. Trademarked. Mm, not sure how I feel about that one. <laughs> um, I'm just going to let that one go. But to the original point, what you're saying about the lack of the protected rabble, I totally agree. I love it because it just gives the schedule way more variety. <laughs> I think one of the things that we... One of the things that I don't like about the Big Ten schedule now, and and this is also, you know, a f- this is also a result of getting rid of divisions um, as well. But like going into every year as Penn State fans now, we're like, okay, so we know we have to play Indiana, we know we have to play Maryland, we know we have to play Rutgers, we know we have to play three teams for the Big Ten West. That's never fun. Like that's six games right there on your schedule that are just obligations. Mm-hmm. And Maryland is, I mean, Maryland's better than that. But Maryland, it, you know, by the time they get to the Penn State game, they're usually pretty beat up, and they're yeah. closer to that lower end than they are the top end. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like it—it it just feels like an obligation at that point. And with the number of teams in the conference now and the lack of that protected game, Penn State's schedule is just going to be so much more varied every year. And mm-hmm. it seems to me like everything is mostly going through like two-year cycles. Yep. Like you have Ohio State in twenty-four, twenty-five. Then you have Michigan in twenty-six, twenty-seven. And it kind of goes in cycles like that, which almost kind of gives it like an out of conference feel. It's like it kind of feels like home and homes against a non-conference team. So I, I think it's a lot more interesting. It's going to make just Penn State's schedule a lot more varied than pretty much every other team in the conference and more than any other team in the country that's not named. And even like, I mean, honestly, even more than Notre Dame, like we don't know what's going to happen in Notre Dame's schedule going forward, but even them, like they basically play the same teams every year, even though they are independent. So it's, I think it's really cool. Um, I think it'll help create more natural the, rivals, like how Iowa kind of turned into that because Penn State does yeah. not technically have to play Iowa every year, but they just kept on getting matched up and they naturally became fascinating games. Like the kind of shoehorn yeah. in of Maryland and Rutgers into like this rivalry for Penn State never really hit, but Iowa kind of naturally did. So I'm excited to see if like, Oregon takes on that mantle if Washington can fill that void I think that'll just be a fun thing to watch develop over the next I don't know Nick what do you think we got eight more years before we get the Super League like the Super Super League uh, I don't know if it'll be that long it might be shorter I, yeah. it's not I don't know I'm not sure so much that it'll be a Super League eventually as I think that everybody will just end up being like I, I think one of two things will happen I think everyone will end up being independent mm-hmm. and or college football will just break off and we'll probably like from all the other sports and we'll probably get back closer to something more regional like the way it was yeah i I think one of those two options is likely going to take um the only thing i did want to know here the downside to the variety is that you do like for the as good as it is and as fun as it is to not have to play indiana every year it is a kind of a bummer to not play those really big games like Ohio State and Michigan every year. Like right now, you have no Ohio State in 26 and 27. You have no Michigan in 25, or in 24, 25, or 28. So you're only going to play Michigan twice in the next five years, which mm-hmm. is weird to think about. But um, Matt, is there one team in particular out of the, the new four, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, USC, that you're most looking forward to playing? I'm a... Uh... I'm not like a guy who was like, oh, I have like a second team, but I have a soft spot for UCLA. I always have. Uh, my sister used to live not far from their campus, uh, and I just thought it was the most beautiful campus I had ever been on. I think they have really cool colors. I think that they have um, 
I, I like that they're like the little brother in LA. Like that just kind of makes me want to root for them a little bit more. So I'm excited for Penn State to play UCLA. I'm excited to go uh, to Southern California in the wintertime. And I'm excited to laugh when Southern California players have to come to State College PA in November. I think that's going to be really fun. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is one of the more underratedly funny things about all this. Do you this. see the clip of um, the, uh, the Nash- USC practice with the water bottle? No, I didn't. So USC is going to South Bend this weekend, as we all know. Uh, I think the weather's wow. calling for, like, not great conditions, you know, not perfect. Uh, and there's a clip going around of what looks like a, a, UCL, a USC assistant wearing, like, an exterminator backpack kind of, like, the, the um, what's the thing in Ghostbusters, the backpack kind of thing? You know what I'm talking about. But uh, it's filled like with... Like a, yeah, yeah, like a sprayer. Yeah, but it's filled with water, and he's spraying... Uh, guys working on fielding punts and everybody's dropping the ball. It's like the slightest amount of water and no one has any idea what to do. It's pretty funny. You should, I'll tell you the clip on Twitter in a second. That's pretty good. Uh, I know for me, obviously biased, but I'm looking forward to Washington being added. Not because I'm a Washington fan, just because it's it'll be really fun for me to get to have lots of Penn State friends come out here and go to the game with them and, you know, Yacht, boat tailgating, always fun, and all that good stuff. It's also just a beautiful stadium. I think Penn State fans are really going to enjoy it when they get out here for a game against the Huskies. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. You, I know you mentioned you haven't looked at the schedule that closely, but is there a year that you noticed just as of right now that looks particularly fun or particularly daunting going is, forward? Is it next year that's like the banger home slate? Next year? So next year, the big highlights are you're at, USC and Wisconsin, and then at oh, home they have that. Ohio State, UCLA, and Washington. Love that. Yeah, that's the best one by far. That's amazing. You get yeah, both LA schools. One. You get I, the bit of getting to go to Southern California, and you get the bit of Southern California coming to you. You get um, mm-hmm. you get to go to Madison. I went to Madison this summer. Loved it. Awesome town. Yeah, that's uh, that's the one for sure. Then next year, twenty twenty eight is pretty interesting too. You're at USC and then Ohio State, Oregon, and UCLA all come to State College. So that could be a fun one as well. Oh my God. If you have I season think, if you have season tickets, I would congratulations love, on doubling your money. <laughs> I would love to see I would love to see some some sort of pseudo rivalry rivalry or something develop between Penn State and Oregon. I don't know if that's going to be possible because they're the amount of pure hatred radiating between Oregon and Washington I'm not sure if there's any left for anyone else, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, make sure you watch game day this week because if you don't understand how much Oregon and Washington truly, truly hate each other, hopefully they give you some sort of idea. Like Washington and like uh, Washington State, they're obviously rivals. They have the Apple Cup, even though it's probably not going to continue after this year. Um but it's like they don't hate each other. It's more they just don't like each other. Oregon and Washington hate each other. It's pretty hilarious. It's the same weight class of fighters, too. That's why I think it's such a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, do you have any Oregon or Washington home field stuff? I do not, actually. I have uh, I have Louisville, who uh, took that's down Notre Dame. Stuff. So that's a good one. I have UC Irvine, mm-hmm. so I do rep the West Coast a little bit. I have UConn. I have Tulane. Uh, and of course, I have my Nittany Lions. Well, I think you might need to add some Oregon and Washington stuff as well, because those are honestly two of my favorite collections on there. 
Of course you all know about Homefield listeners. We talk about them every single podcast, and we do that because they are great friends to the podcast, and they make awesome stuff. If you have not visited homefieldapparel.com before, go do it right now because you can find T-shirts, sweatshirts, joggers, hoodies, hats, anything you could possibly imagine from the absolute best collegiate apparel brand out there. They do great work. They're, like I said, great friends of the podcast. They've been sponsoring us for over a year now. Um, And if you are ordering on homefieldapparel.com for the first time, you can use the code RLR23, all caps, all one word at checkout, and you can get 15% off of your first order. It's October now. We're getting closer and closer to that holiday season especially for a you know a relatively smaller independent brand like this. If you want some home field stuff for his holiday gifts, get on it now. Save yourself the hassle. Just get that shopping done right away. It's, you know, anyone anyone that you are giving a gift to would appreciate it because it's just just the coolest stuff. Um, we really, like I said, we enjoy working with them and they're great friends and they make awesome stuff. It's comfy, it's unique. Definitely worth your time to check out homefieldapparel.com. Use the code RLR23 at checkout for 15% off of your first order with that email. Nothing stopping you from using the second one. Matt. Yo. Let us dive into the not all that imposing figure that is the UMass Miniman. Right off the bat, UMass comes in this game with a 1-6 record. They are the 124th ranked team in SP+. Um, of course, that is out of 133 teams total. They started off strong, beat New Mexico State week one, and they are on a six-game losing streak since then. They got smacked by Auburn, Miami of Ohio, um, Arkansas State, and Toledo. They also lost to Eastern Michigan and New Mexico, but those games were closer but it has not gone terribly well for them since. Neither of us, I think, would pretend to be experts on the, this UMass team. But, you know, there's things we can glean. And we, you know, we heard James Franklin's comments about how he thinks this is, <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. He thinks this is the most explosive offense they've faced, which it's really for sad my he's money right. is. He's right. It is a, that is a top five, like, petty james comment for sure it's so good franklin's franklin was on a heater in his presser yesterday man that guy was firing off takes and he is getting talked about i will say yeah also also general psa you can think a reporter asked a question poorly and do so and respond in whatever way you want without telling them they should kill themselves yeah don't don't be an asshole if you're one of those people yeah yeah come on um, so Matt, let's start with UMass on offense against Penn State defensively. So UMass right now this year averaging 396.4 yards per game. That's 253 through the air and 142 on the ground. Uh, former Penn State recruiting target Tyson 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 Pumachun is Tyson yes, Pumachun is up. how you say his name. I thought it was Pumachun. Pumachun. Ah, dang. All right, Pumachun. Um, he is a 65.7 completion percentage so far this year, three touchdowns, three picks, 780 yards through the air on 67 completions. At running back, you have K. Ron Lynch Adams, 661 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. Leading receiver, Anthony Simpson, 33 catches for 566 through the air with three scores. Mark Pope and George Johnson the third, both are 20 catches and over 260 yards as well. And for as funny as the explosive comment was in terms of making fun of all the other teams Penn State has played so far, 
there is something to it because, you know, on this season, UMass has long runs of 47 and 60, long receptions of 71, 54, 68, 40. Like, there is something there to the explosiveness. And I think the big question for me, Matt, is do you think this is the week that we finally maybe see the Penn State secondary actually have to do something? I hope so. Uh, real quick, Matt Zanilato, Penn State uh, letterman and former wide receiver, is the UMass wide receivers coach. So Zanilato yes. actually follower played. of follower of us on uh, Twitter. As yeah, well. frequenter. I think he's DM. I think we've chatted with him a couple of times in the DMs. Uh, good guy, but mm-hmm. actually played under Franklin for a little bit towards the end of his career. So that's always cool. I think Nick, is this the first former Franklin player who's a position coach to go up against? I think it might be. Hmm. Because Dion would be there. Howell never played under yeah. Franklin. Billy Fessler's at Akron now. He was never an on-field coach, I don't think, for Ohio State. Um, yeah, I think it's and the they first. Haven't faced, yeah. They haven't faced uh, Danton Lynn. Nope. Nope. Uh, Naeem Wartman-White. It might be. Yeah, that's cool. Might be. Um, generally, when your offensive line is undersized and not that great, you kind of have to turn to explosive plays because odds are you can't put together sustained drives. So, Give credit to yeah. UMass for understanding what they are and what they need to be. I think Penn State secondary is due for a little bit more action. I think UMass is going in there knowing that they kind of have to throw the kitchen sink at Penn State just to get anything going. Again, I don't think really Penn State's in any danger of losing this football game. But I think, yeah, I think the secondary is going to have to be ready and be involved. I think this is a great chance to get their hands on some balls. And the secondary really does need that. I think the... uh the defensive line has really come into form, and I'm excited to see the secondary show that they are absolutely still worthy of being um, of teams being wary of testing them. Yeah, yeah. It's this will be this will be a really good chance for. I mean, like, like it will be a good chance for the defensive backs, but at the same time, like, I do expect Penn State's pass rush, even with even with four guys to get to Fumachun relatively easily. Oh, they're going to so eat. Maybe yeah, they're going to eat. Be, yeah, maybe it won't be as big of a test as we're thinking or hoping it might be. Um, but I do like that, at least in this week before the Ohio State game, they will face a team that at least wants to throw the ball, unlike their last few opponents. So <laughs> uh, in that regard, it's definitely a positive. Is there anything else specific that you want to see from yeah. the Penn State defense that, you know, maybe, like, that you want them to prove ahead of this more difficult stretch of games coming up starting next week? There's nothing they can prove to me. I mean, at this point, if if a depth guy goes out there and has a great game, I think we're all kind of going to say, okay, it was UMass. Uh, I, I think if they if they dominate, we're all going to say, okay, it's UMass. Just get healthy. Just stay healthy throughout this game. You know, have the young guys continue to show that they're comfortable on the field. They don't have to make a ton of plays. But just don't make that many mistakes is really what I'm looking for. There's not going to be really anything new. This is the kind of game we usually see like on like September 9th. It's just, I think it's really nice that we get to see it in late October. But I just don't think defensively, especially, there's all that much that we that we can learn or that this team can prove to me this week. Do you think that... If given the choice between putting, say, this game in this slot or putting Maryland, putting the Maryland game right here, 
which do you think Franklin would prefer? Because I know we've talked UMass. about the... Let me finish. Sorry. We've talked about the... Um, we've talked about Penn State struggles out of the bye week in the past and how playing UMass here actually gives them a really nice chance to maybe get over that mental hump. But at the same time, I'm sure Franklin also knows about that stigma about his teams out of the bye week. And this looks like a really good Penn State team. Do you think maybe he's kind of like, ah, I wish I had a chance to prove that that, you know, that stigma is not accurate or no. do you think he's just cool taking the safe, the safe I, th- I think taking the safe route like there's a million things people think about james franklin and the the record out of the bye week is like the seventh biggest gripe people have with the guy so i don't think it really i mean indiana maybe at home i would like to see in this spot more so than umass you know big 10 opponent better athletes maybe a little bit more of a scare but I, I honestly really love this on-ramp back into the season, especially with, you know, we'll talk about the offense, and I have I have a lot of thoughts on what I think this offense needs to show me this weekend, but I, I really do like this on-ramp. I think it's really beneficial. I think it lets Penn State not only get healthy, but prove that guys are healthy, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, since you mentioned Real it, quick, Nick. Let's uh, use... Nick, can I cut in yes. here real quick? Before we get to the de- uh, the offensive side of the ball, I have a defensive question for you. Are you ready? Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Penn State played this game in 2014, James Franklin's first season. Mm-hmm. I was at this game in 2014. Penn State had as as was I, I think. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten players log at least three tackles. Nick, if you can name. Four of them. I will Venmo you five dollars. <laughs> okay, twenty fourteen. <laughs> I believe Mike Hall had graduated. I believe he was a senior in twenty thirteen. So I will start with Naeem Ortman White. He was second with five in this game. Okay, that's one. Um, let's see. You're never gonna safeties. get this. This is outstanding. Safeties. 2014, not Mar- Marcus Allen, I think would have been a freshman, but I think the UMass, he, his first game was the Ohio State game that year. So not, so it wouldn't be him. Marcus Allen finished with two tackles. Uh, so he does not qualify for this list. Who, Marcus Allen? Yeah, two tackles. Um, Oh boy, who are our defensive ends? 2014. This is such a sicko list, dude. Be... This is, this is unreal. It wouldn't be Dion. Would it be like a young, a young Curtis Cothran? Uh, hold on, hold on. Curtis Cothran finished with one tackle. Okay. So not him. Uh, man, I feel like there's there must be some obvious ones. I'm just not thinking. Yep. I'm totally drawing a blank on who our corners were at that time. I mean, I assume. I mean, Grant Haley was on the team, but was he playing? Probably not. And if he wasn't, then that means that who was playing? And fr- would it have been? I mean, it would. Is one of them Danton Lynn? And one of them no, is not Danton Lynn. That. He would have been gone by then. He was before that. We're looking. There's ten options. We're looking oh, for four. Man. You have one so far. <laughs> uh, we definitely need to time box this because I could think about this all day. Um, okay, come on. Jordan Lucas. 
Jordan Lucas, uh, yes, with three tackles. Okay. Um, all right, linebackers, linebackers. Brandon Bell would have been a sophomore. I don't – was he playing enough yet? I'll, I'll guess Brandon Bell. Brandon Bell with three. Brandon Bell is correct when you're looking for one more. Okay, all right, let's see. Middle of the defense, defensive tackles. I think Jordan Hill got drafted to the Seahawks the like this same year, so he wouldn't have been on that team. Daquan Jones? No Daquan Jones. Oh man. Looking for one more. Oh, all right. I'm gonna let what I would say. I I get one more guess. I get one more one guess. One more guess. Um oh, I can't believe I can't think of any of the safeties. You won't, be, you won't be surprised point, when I tell you who the safeties were in this game. At the, at this point, Troy Apke, I think, was on the team, but he was still a receiver. Um. Oh man. Think about this Sioux, era. Think about like how involved walk-ons were in this era. I'm drawing a blank on the walk-ons. I'm thinking I. Whenever I think walk on in that era, the only person I can actually, actually Zach Zwinak wasn't even a walk on, was he? No, that's what I think of. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no, I need to give. I can't even think of another name, so I think I got to throw in the towel. Mike Hole led the way with six tackles. He oh, Naeem Wortman second place with five. This is twenty fourteen. Correct. I thought he mm. Naeem Wortman Boy, led the way with five. The eight players with three tackles. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. You got you got Jordan Lucas. That was correct. Gary Wooten, Grant Haley, oh. Ryan oh, Kaiser, man. Vaughn Walker. Oh yeah. Brandon Bell. Oh. Jesse Delavalle, and Parker Cothran. Oh, goodness. Oh, I guessed Curtis, and I didn't guess Parker. I thought Come for on. sure you were going to just jump right over. Yeah. Oh, what are you doing, Nick? And think wow, about the defense today. The the pure the pure white run on defensive back energy in that list is just just radiating. It was a hell of a list. Jesse Della Valley. Goodness. Wow. What a I'm not gonna say wonderful blast from the past. That wasn't wonderful. <laughs> I'm so glad we are beyond. I'm so glad we have moved beyond those times. Um Matt, let's flip over to the other side of let's the ball now that we. I have no. I have no. Uh, game, our I have, listeners. I have no info from that game on the offense because it made me too sad. <laughs> um, although, if you will tell me the player threw a touchdown uh, pass, I will Venmo you five dollars here too. Oh, the player who threw a touchdown pass. There was one touchdown pass in the Penn State UMass game in two thousand and fourteen. DJ Crook. It was DJ Crook. All right, I'll Venmo you five bucks. I knew I was good for something there. <laughs> I, you know what? I was not at that game. I was still writing for Black Shoe Dyers at the time, and actually, that was a day that they had a get together for people in the D.C. area that wrote for different college football SB Nation pages. So I was in the SB Nation offices for that game. Everybody else was over on another TV watching like an actual football game, and I was watching Penn State UMass like on a separate TV by myself because I was tweeting for the blog that day. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I remember I think it was I think it was like Ryan Nanny maybe walked over 
and they said, and it was like right as DJ Crook threw a touchdown, and he was just like, "I'm sorry, his name is what?" And that was ah, <laughs> oh, good times. Okay, let's talk about not only a more exciting Penn State defense, but a more exciting Penn State offense against the UMass defense. Um, UMass's defense currently allowing 453.9 opposing yards of offense per game. Not great. I told you about the six-game losing streak. Got smashed by a lot of teams that you shouldn't get smashed by. I'm more curious, though, Matt, what we think the Penn State game plan is going to be here. There has been a lot of talk over the last week and a half about the lack of explosiveness, especially from the Penn State passing game, although lack of explosiveness from the Penn State running game, too, also deserves you know equal amount of criticism, I think. First question, what do you think their goal is going to be in this game? Do you think that they're going to devote resources to try to get the run game going? Do you think they're going to try some more deep passing stuff? Do you think they're going to just stick to status quo and just be more smash mouth with the run game and keep these high efficiency throws going? What do you think their kind of plan is going to be here? Nick, did you buy one of our deep state shirts when we were a written medium? I did. Did you really? Yep. I would break, I would break that out if I were you. I think they're just going to take deep shot after deep <laughs> shot. They have to. I understand the concern regarding explosiveness in the running game. Again, I think that's not a scheme thing. I think that's just a singleton and Allen in a bit of a sophomore slump, and those players are going to come. I feel really confident in that. What I don't think is a guarantee that it'll happen eventually is the Penn State receivers and Drew Aller being on the same page down the field. And this is a great game to build confidence in. Take your deep shots to KLS, but make sure you give at least three, I want to say, Two of the other guys, Harrison Wallace, Liam Clifford, Dante Cephas, uh, Caden Saunders, Liam Clifford, Malik McLean, all those guys. I think this is a really great opportunity for this offense to re-find what made it so interesting when it was like Jahan in 2021, where they're finding logical opportunities and the quarterback is making the proper read, and that read is very clearly throw it deep. There has been plays where Penn State has had deep balls be open. Keandre Lambert-Smith, I think against Northwestern last weekend, was a pretty good example of that, where it was clearly there, but Aller moved his eyes to his check down a bit too early. Respectfully, I don't think the UMass pass rush is going to be all that formidable. I think this is a great time for Aller to let the game slow down a little bit, trust what they worked on in the bye, hang in the pocket a second longer, and wait an extra minute, or not minute, and a millisecond or two for a deep shot to come open and then take it. Doesn't have to be wide open, but if you see a realistic one-on-one opportunity, like I think back to what Parker Washington did against Minnesota last year, where Clifford hung in the pocket and threw a one-on-one ball to Parker Washington, and his guy went out there and he made the play. Let me see more of that. And you can say, you know, whatever, it's against UMass, but we're looking for baby steps at this point to get that deep passing game back open so I want to see at least seven shots before the starters really come out and I think first play of the games are going to be a great opportunity to go out there and give it a try yeah I I like that idea that that sounds good to me yeah like you said like there there I think have been more opportunities to make those deeper connections that it's just been a progression thing in a frankly just a young quarterback thing like mm-hmm. he there i think there's a very clear message that's been radiating through the penn state um building for as, as long as james franklin's been here of don't turn the ball over 
So I think for a young quarterback, if they have the opportunity to not turn the ball over in a pretty safe way and still get yards, it's not at all shocking that that's what he would lean towards. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a matter of, like you said, continuing to build these, uh, build this trust with his other receivers. And of course that's been hard the last couple of weeks with Harrison Wallace, either not playing or barely playing. And mm-hmm. he, you know, clearly I think Duraller has a pretty good connection with him. So hopefully we can see him back on the field this week and continue to work on that. Is there anything, let, let me ask it this way. If Penn state, let's say connects on a deep ball to Calendra Lambert Smith and a deep ball to, let's say, uh, let's say Amari Evans this week. What would just seeing some of those deep plays come to fruition? What does that do to change your confidence level for the Ohio State game? Um, good question. I already feel pretty confident in the Ohio State game, mainly because I think the defense is going to eat. That's a great way to word this question because I don't really know how to answer this. My concern with Penn State's passing game isn't opponent-specific right now, if that makes sense, Nick. It's more the fact that it's been five weeks and those plays haven't been there really at all. That's the bigger concern to me. If they hit hit those two, let's use that example, I will feel 5% better. Let's call it that. But if they hit like eight passes of 15 to 20 yards, then I'll put it at like 10% better. I think it's those plays that are more likely to be open against Ohio State than those deep balls, just because I think Ohio State's corners are pretty good. And Penn State's receivers, while talented, I don't think they're at the level we've seen for a long time. So I I, I think it definitely makes me feel better, but I'll feel better about the offense as a whole more than like in that one Ohio State one game window vacuum. Okay, so that kind of got to my next question then a little bit, is that like what, if there was one thing that you had to see from the offense this week to feel better about Ohio State and Michigan and all the other teams going forward, like what would that thing be? Would it be those deep and intermediate passes being completed? Yeah, it's the intermediate passes for sure. Ohio State's defense has taken a really big step forward, and I think that Ohio State's defense is the best part of Ohio State right now, which feels absolutely insane to say. And I think Ohio State is going to do everything they can to keep Penn State off rhythm. And I think in Columbus, we're going to see a lot of second and eight, third and six, third and five. And no competent offensive coordinator is going to say, all right, bombs away. And, you know, have the deep shot be the primary for moving the sticks there. I need to see... Dante Cephas on third and six, go out there and make a great play and keep the chains moving and then set up the explosive play. It's those intermediate passes that while they have been there, I need to see them be completed and then see a guy turn up field and go out there and gain 15 extra yards on those kind of plays. I think those quote unquote big play passes are a more valuable part of the offense than those 40 yard air balls. Those are great. But just realistically, for what we know about Penn State right now, those third and six, seven-yard gains that turn into a 19-yard gain are really more realistic for what we can expect. So let's get over to predictions then, Matt, knowing all that. Right now, Vegas has Penn State as a 41.5-point favorite. Worth noting, Penn State is 10-0, I believe that's where we're at right now, 10-0 in the last 10 games they've played against the stretch so on a nice run there as far as vegas is concerned 
by the SP plus metrics. Uh, Bill Connolly has Penn State winning this game 46 to eight. Uh, so not covering, but getting close. What are your thoughts for this one? What do you think we're going to potentially see as a scoreline here? I think it's going to be those deep shots, but also a very vanilla game plan just by nature of what's coming up after this game. So give me Penn State 56, UMass 6. So Penn State to cover that spread. Hmm. Okay. I I agree with the philosophy of what you said. I do think they they might might try to force a couple things deep. I'm really interested to see what the run game looks like. Um, just one, I'm just interested to see Katron Allen because it seemed like he probably left the last game um, with some sort of heat exhaustion or something along those lines since he was you know still on the field after the game, all that stuff. Um, didn't, you know, wasn't limping, didn't have a, any anything showing that looked like an injury. So just curious to see him get back out there. Um, and then Singleton, like we've seen flashes of him um, kind of look like the Heisman contender that we thought he could be, but he's just like, he's one broken tackle away mm-hmm. like pretty consistently right now. So I'm curious to see if he can kind of take the next step as far as what he'll be this year and start breaking those tackles. So um, I, I think there, there also might be a degree of, trying to force the run game a little bit to get those two going and have them fully ramped up for the Ohio State game. I think this one probably ends something like Penn State 48 or Penn State 51, and then UMass. I wouldn't be surprised if they broke off a long touchdown, especially late against primarily Penn State backup. So mm-hmm. like, I could see UMass getting to 14. Um, okay. But I'm going to go ahead. I'll put on the record. I'll say Penn State 51, UMass 13. Okay. Um, so I would not have them covering that 41 and a half point spread, I think, if my math is right. Okay. I could definitely see that, especially, you know, with how yeah. explosive play focused UMass's offense is. Explosive plays come against an experience in a lot of cases. So I could definitely see that happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there you have it. Matt, do you have any final thoughts here about UMass or anything else we've talked about today? Does this game feel weird to you? Um, I mean, it's weird in that it just feels unnatural to have a non-conference opponent at this point in the season. Like, I'm I'm amped to watch a Penn State football game because I really missed it last weekend. But, like, it, I, I can't help but just, like, think about, like, Ohio State in 10 days. Yeah. It just feels like Plus this is, also, like, such an you know, oversight. the Washington-Oregon game that's happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, a, it's a pretty decent Saturday slate. I think USC-Notre Dame is going to be fun. It's uh, It can be definitely kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm excited that Ohio State plays at noon. Uh, that'll be fun to watch on Peacock. Give me a pretty good idea. Peacock not a sponsor, but they could be. Um, get a pretty good idea of what they're looking like right now. I think they looked pretty decent against Maryland towards the end. You know, they covered the spread. But again, I think that offensive line is particularly gettable. And I think Ryan Walters is a pretty yeah. good defensive coach. I'm excited to watch him go to work. Yeah, it could, it could be something. Yeah, it's definitely a good weekend for uh, multiple TVs. Um, mm-hmm obviously get Penn State on the main one but some other really good games going on around the same time that will will absolutely be more entertaining than this one oh so, yeah um yeah I think that about does it for does it here for us Matt like, like we said I think we both think it's a comfortable Penn State victory even if we are not totally sure if they'll cover or not um I think maybe maybe the fact that Bo Perilla will likely be in the game for a good chunk of the fourth quarter will actually help in terms of getting that coverage because you know they'll keep they'll keep pushing the offense and Bo is 
really good runner. So he's going to, I think he could very easily lead, lead a couple of different scoring drives. So uh, we'll real quick, see. Real quick, real quick. Can I ask you one fun question before we leave? Of course. Who is your cool moment touchdown guy? Who is a guy we're not thinking about to score that you think is going to score? Hmm. This is a week ripe for a defensive touchdown. Ooh, I, I like where your head's at. Okay. So, and you know what? I did say before the season that there would be a defensive lineman touchdown this year. Oh, okay. So, I will stick with that. And I, there is going to be a Fumachun will drop back and he will be pressured by Chop and Adisa off the edges and he will rush into a throw in the middle of the field that denied Dennis Sutton will pop out of nowhere from the interior of the defensive line to grab and take it back to the house. Okay. I like it. I like, I like calling a shot like this. This is a million times bolder than I could have ever hoped for when I answered this question. (laughs) I was really, I really was going to say, Oh, he's going to say Theo Johnson to score his first one. I really, I overestimated or ah, underestimated you. Yeah, good point. Uh, mine's Tank Smith. Who's homecoming? Who's okay. Give me, uh, give me Tank Smith to score. I think that'll be a really cool moment if he can get in the end zone. There you go. You heard it here, folks. If you can find that parlay on your draft uh, on your uh, betting app of choice for a deny Dennis Sutton and Tank Smith to score a touchdown for Penn State this weekend, we will probably make you a very rich person. So you should definitely go out and donate whatever money you win from that to Roar Lions Roar. Thank you, everybody. This is not financial advice. Legally speaking, this is not financial (laughs) advice. Neither Nick nor I are financial advisors. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) Thank you to everybody for listening. Please make sure you're following, liking, subscribing wherever you're listening to this podcast. Leave us a rating if you can. Use that Spotify QA feature to leave a question. We try to get to at least one every single podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit that alert bell as well as liking and subscribing so you can see when we post new content and you can see our faces say our words. It's just a wonderful experience. Thank you once again to our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Use that code RLR23 at checkout for 15% off. And thank you to my co-host, Mr. Matt Filipovitz, for joining me today to talk about future Big Ten and all things Penn State versus UMass. Thanks to everyone for watching. Thanks to everyone for listening. Go State. Go State.